But I came round your house when you were drunk. Mm. Now I'm drunk. And I'm slightly more sober. You're more sober than you were, probably, I imagine. Mm. Hello. I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. This is the second part of getting better acquainted with Vaughan. So, hello Vaughan again. Hello. (laughs) I'm about to share one of... uh, the more interesting inventions I've come across in the last couple of um, years with you, Dave. Okay. I always like the phenomenon of champagne, that lovely crisp pop, isn't it? It's sort of even vaguely sexual. Yeah. And then one day I was, um, I recently went on a uh, trip to Belgium and Holland and Luxembourg, and obviously, you know, they have lovely um, beer there. Yeah. And um, I'm converted. I love the lifestyle. I just I even love the, just the taste of it. It's fantastic. And then I came to London and I found something that looked like champagne, but it wasn't. It was a £2.50 bottle of Lefe Blonde in a champagne bottle. Oh, yeah. And it's even caught. And as you hear now, wow, that's, that's the sound of, of uh, Lefe being uncorked. But it is amazing when you read <laughs> how, like, you know, in the Middle Ages, they didn't have any water. So everyone was drinking beers in 14-year-olds getting, uh, you know, drinking. Obviously, it was quite mild beer, but nevertheless beer. Yeah. Now, um, we still do it nowadays. It's incredibly important uh, in terms of human development uh, because before that it was very dodgy water. Yeah, and certainly in terms of our development. Here we go. Cheers. Thank you. Mm, Yum, yum. We're getting better acquainted with Vaughan some more and I thought that we had a very scatter all around the block trip with Vaughan through Vaughan's existence through just the experience the one experience um i thought i'd try and focus in on a few uh bits that we've touched on we've not really touched on mm. too much so so you're from south africa Vaughan. yes and i'm drinking a lefe beer i'm getting better acquainted with my lefe beer um what would you say um i don't know what like, i don't come from south africa what's south africa like um, it's, it's got nice weather, it's got uh, lovely fauna and flora, uh, a turbulent political past and some sort of strange standards, but so, you know, all in all, it's a lovely place. Uh, it hasn't got necessarily the, the history of, of some place like England or Europe, but it's got obviously, you know, the nature, and I used to do a bit of environmental education, so I spent a lot of time, you know, at the beaches, in the forests and stuff, and that was, it, was, it was good, and I really like that about South Africa. There are a lot of crazy things, you know, regarding the political situation, and you know, there's apartheid, and now there's sort of uh, reverse apartheid or affirmative action coming around now to try and address those balances. So, you know, there's a lot of complex issues which maybe aren't in a lot of other places in the world, but you know, in the end, it's a really beautiful country with uh, lots of uh, lots of animals, and it's also got uh, and everyone drives a lot. There's no public transport much, which is a bit of a pity. So when I came to London, I knew about this tube, and I must have asked, the novelty hasn't worn off, you know, almost five years from, from then. Still love whizzing around. You can't do that in South Africa, you drive everywhere. That's, that, that fits my, my, uh, my assumptions of South Africa from the films, the few films I've seen. Mm, Blood well, Diamond, yes. Yeah, Blood Diamond, anything yeah. to do with Nelson Mandela, dramatised. Mm. Um, Sa- Sa- is it Sarafina? 
Uh, the one with Whoopi Goldberg? I think so, yeah. I, I don't think I've watched any movies Freedom with Whoopi Goldberg. Freedom is coming tomorrow. It's a bit optimistic. If it was going to come tomorrow, it might as well come today. But no, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen much of, of that one. I've watched uh, Sotsi, which I think is very good. Oh, I haven't um, seen that. I keep meaning oh, to see it. It's very good. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, and the one thing about Africa is, as, as a whole, the, the shocking thing about it is the, the scant respect for human life. That's why people get murdered so often over such trivial things and, you know, things get burned down. And I think Sotsi really sort of shows that side of it. Um, as, you know, it's, 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 a, good, it's, a, it's a good movie. Um, you know, things like District 9 is also actually not, funny enough, a very good comment in the South African psyche. And they use the actual newsreaders in District 9 and also the newsreaders in the, uh, uh, on TV in South Africa. So it feels quite authentic. Yeah, I thought that film was okay. I... I... <laughs> I had some problems with the science fiction element of it. Like I didn't think it made sense. But I, I, I think as a kind of I can see what they were trying to do. They were trying to make some interesting comments and actually the comments they were making were interesting. It was the mm. interior logic of the science fiction. Uh, I, mean, I mean movies are like dating. The only way to be really successful is to engender a sort of idea of a sense of disbelief to get people to believe things, you know, and and forget some of the other points, and you know, if it's, it's you know, it's, you're saying it's that in movies and in dating, you have to suspend your disbelief. Sometimes you do. Okay, well, I, I like to suspend my disbelief, but it's the job of the film or the woman, I guess, to convince me that I should. Mm. Um, although I'm not. Have that said, yes. I was only continuing Vaughan's yeah, yeah, metaphor. Sort of, so I don't, I don't, I don't, way, end, I don't yes. endorse it. Um, so, <laughs> in South, so you're in South Africa. Uh, and apartheid happened. Mm. How did you feel? Well, when it happened? Yeah. Well, I, I, was, I just sort of grew up with it. It's the same but way was, as you grow up with anything. But were you... When you were growing up, did you think that... Like, when apartheid was there, there's all this Western, Western pressure. I guess it was Western. Mm. Uh, I remember us giving you guys some, you know, yeah, the cold video. shoulder... Yeah, I mean, certainly you're not going to be able to do that without a bit of international sanction. I don't really remember that stuff, to be honest. If there was, it wasn't something that sort of, uh, you know, came came upon me. And if you're sort of an environment where you think it's okay, then it's then it's okay. So, but did you did you did you think that apartheid was okay? Well, I mean, I was a, I was a selfish kid. I was happy. No, I'm not saying... I'm yeah, not saying no, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you're like, oh, well, you know, this life I'm in, was, you know, it seems okay. And I'm, not saying, do you, I'm not saying, do you, Vaughan, now, as an yeah. adult, looking back, think that apartheid was okay? Because obviously you don't, no, right? But, but at the time... But at the time... Well, at the time, as I say, I didn't really think of it as like... It, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. That was, the, that was the thing. It was just like normal life, just, just cruising around. just didn't seem to notice many black people. And if and that's sort of how it went so I didn't really think of it in a good or bad term I had a lot more important things to worry about like you know not being teased at school or you know those sort of things that will uh, trouble us and where you teased at school uh, I was the fat kid and I was the nerd kid so you know it was it was, it was you know it's all it's all very good for making uh, me who I am now that I'm sort of uh, I'm okay with those is things. that at primary school yes so I, was, I had a hard time at secondary school. Primary school was okay. Secondary mm. school fucked me up. No. I think primary school, I think, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think yeah, being teased isn't the worst thing in the world. It sort of uh, builds up your uh, confidence and, 
in the end, uh, you you're you're a lot of, you're you're a stronger individual for it. Oh, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Nonsense. Do you really believe that? What what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I mean, the thing is, I, I was, don't know. I had a hard time at school, and sometimes people say to me, "That's made you who you are," and sometimes I even think that's made me who I am. But then when I look at it, I think, well, yeah, some of the bad things about who I am is what's been made as well when, when I was bullied. Well, that was about, yeah, I was, about, I was thinking about it, and then I was thinking about all those um, massacres in America where the kid gets the gun and runs around shooting people. That was, the, that was teasing, which probably made them partly who they were. So yeah, exactly. I suppose, yeah, I think if you can, if you get a positive end product, then, yeah, you can say that sort of thing. And I'm pretty comfortable with being who I am. And I think, you know, so I can look back on them and go, oh, well, you know, it's happened to me and now it's gone and I'm tougher for it. Uh, I don't know what, you know, it's, I suppose how it is. And how old were you when apartheid happened? Well, it was, well, I, I, it was, it was a constant in my life until it went, didn't happen really, which would be around when I was 12 or 13. Um, and again, you don't really know, you can sort of sense your dad's a bit worried about something and then as I say, once you see, you know, once you're black and it's come to school, you don't really, it's, it's a nice novelty. And then it's all sort of uh, cruises along. But then, as I say, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're just, uh, you're growing up, suddenly you've got uh, a party going down, but that's the least of your concerns. You're trying not to be teased, you're trying to get good grades, you're trying to do all these other kind of things that, uh, you know, uh, again, I could look back on it now, but I don't really know whether my perspective on what apartheid was like when it ended really, uh, you know, would actually be what I felt then. Uh, what I do notice is how my family, because they the people who sort of sat in their ways and even now haven't changed, and they were very frightened, and still are, and they note that, you know, the crime's higher and those sort of things. When something like apartheid comes down, which is a sort of moral issue, People don't look back on it and go, ah, I defeated the moral issue. You end up looking at the consequences, how it affects your life. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and, you know, they're, they're black people that, that aren't happy that apartheid's over. And that's a true, true fact. Um, and that's because in apartheid, the government provided them with a level of services, albeit lower than... You've met those black people. I've read this stuff on TV, seen, seen it. On TV. So the media tells you that there are those. Black yeah, but this is in post-apartheid South Africa. Yeah, but this yeah. post. Well, the media tells me a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, but it's something that I can sort of believe because the, the, it was a little more. I mean, I, I don't want to go into sort of socialism and stuff, but the government looked after people. They, they gave obviously a lot of attention to, to the white people, but by putting black people in certain areas, they need to make sure that they were okay too. So they did provide a lot of, they did provide facilities. When all that stopped and the pilot was over, suddenly those facilities sort of got into disuse and everyone sort of mingled together and there wasn't as much sort of public development programs and suddenly people were forced to, you know, do So now the poor are both white and black but they don't well, get treated as well? Some some people, some people's view would be yes. Um, I think it's certainly not, certainly not indicative of of everyone, but I mean, I there's think... There's probably less race... Is there re less race hate? Like, crimes? Like, like black people under apartheid, they they got a lot of violence towards them. Yeah, I think there's probably... I think, I mean, it's hard to tell, because I've, you know, I haven't been there for, for a while. Um, I, th I think that's... Uh, you know, I think race will always be an issue in South Africa. Um, uh, and I think... Uh, I mean, now I'd imagine a race... Crime. I mean, I'm sure they do happen, but it's the same as sort of killing someone because they're fat. 
Well, they might happen both ways. I mean, they yeah. probably always have happened. Oh, well, both well ways. and people aren't happy with black people because um, obviously they've taken their jobs under affirmative action in some cases, and um, you know suddenly crime is. I mean, my dad. Does, my dad's a bit racist. He had a black person, uh, you know, steal my car. He black people break into his house, etc. Blah 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 blah. And obviously, he just sort of directs that because he's got that whole racial tuning anyway from apartheid to black people. Not just the fact that the majority of people of South Africa are black. So, you know, I think it's... Uh, it's a bit like that film, Gran Torino. Uh, what, the one seen that? Eastwood. Eastwood. No, I haven't, but he... he, you know, it's, he it's a good film. He's really, thing. like, he plays this white racist. He's got these... Uh, mm. uh, I think he's a Vietnam or Korean War veteran, and he's living next door to this... Yeah. Uh, Korean or Vietnamese. This is how. This is, even yeah. when I'm describing a film about racism, I, I can't avoid being a little bit racist by accident. Yeah. But uh, but but that's all about that whole kind of you know he, what he sees is what he sees and he, yeah. you know you can you'll interpret it in your own way. So I mean I think it's uh, yeah I mean it's just it's just one of those it's, it's just a crazy place. So you grew up so twelve apartheid finished and you grew up in you went through secondary school and yes. did you, where did you go to I went to university in South Africa and by then it was pretty integrated but again uh, and, that, and by that stage black people were like um, I mean as I said they, their culture and their music would be their sort of things they very sort of uh, a lot of black people were quite political still um, and I didn't really give a damn about that sort of uh, thing because very often they were sort of still protesting against apartheid um, but like you know they do their quieto and their, their hip hop I like my metal it's just like if uh, you know I, I went if I was like a popular a kid who liked pop music and there were some metal heads I probably wouldn't spend all my time with them it's funny though metal is like has been described as one of the whitest like forms of music you can get it's, it's not really it's uh, just, it just sort of happened to me I mean, I'm, that's it. I'm gonna. I, I was hoping to sort of be a bit more narrow, like linear than this. But I, the last thing that I was going to talk about is is heavy metal. So let's do that now. Well, since it, it's come up, it, it's what attracts you to heavy metal? Well, uh, uh, firstly, since we again talk about race, it's amazing how it comes up. Um, it, there was an article in in the UK's uh, Metal Hammer magazine recently about metal in Botswana, and I thought it was a bit racist in some ways because. I've seen a, a Botswana and heavy metal band. And they're actually very good, but the whole idea, the whole article was about oh wow, there's like black people listening to heavy metal, which is like this is funny um, because you're writing an article about oh, so your entire thrust of the article is black people are listening to heavy metal too. Yeah, but to be fair, this is it, no, it is it is groundbreaking. I'm it's sure. well, it's similar to what you were saying earlier on, though. I mean, these things do happen, like yeah, it's a um, why, like you were saying in in South Africa. <clears throat> pre pre post apartheid mm. South Africa white people listen to the heavy uh, to the um, house house Asian and people listen to music. house in their own clubs and black mm. people listen to yeah hip hop and, and yeah that one I don't know how to say yeah it's a, it's a it's a specific South African sort of genre of but you like metal which isn't any of those three. Well, metal never sort of exists in popular culture, except if you're in some places in like Sweden and stuff. Yeah. Um, I suppose I just, uh, I mean, I when I left, uh, you know, I, was, I just liked the sound of electric guitars, to be honest. Uh, I, 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 as I say, my first well, CD it's, it's, was like Scatman's World. And then later on I discovered Nirvana and Metallica. And then at university, I was growing my hair long anyway, because I just wanted to grow my hair long. And in South Africa, you can't do that at school. It's very strict uniform. 
but you can in university and you sort of end up gravitating to it. And in the beginning, you know, there's so many different types of heavy metal, but a lot of them have distorted vocals, which is quite a big thing to get over. And it actually took me a while to get over, but I just like the actual music itself. I mean, it's hard but, to say what draws you. If you yeah, like it, you go for it. Yeah, but what, what, what's the appeal? What, what really touches you about it? I mean... Well, I, I, th- I think, and I look back at it now. It's very—it's such a skillful form of music. And being, I'm being completely biased, I'll, and I'm free to admit that. Heavy metal is just the, the the technical work done on the guitars, on the sound. It's just—it's really technical, and and I, and I quite enjoy that. And I just like the sound, to be honest. There's been some studies on music that have sort of said that the closest to like the the most. The music that makes people happiest and also other other most sim like a similar yeah. is classical music classical and, and metal. metal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I think you know uh, that's what sort of happens with metal is it sort of does these uh, jump overs into so many different genres. I mean, you get classical metal. There's a German uh, band that do a lot of symphonic stuff where you have full backing, you know, uh, full backing orchestra. And, and sort of tenors supplementing the distorted vocals and the electric guitars, and I think I think that's uh, that's wicked. I mean, I just like metal because I like the sound of it. Okay, and then but I sort of discovered all these other genres, and I was like, wow, amazing. See, I like the metal sound. Mm. I mean, I also like a lot of other sounds. Mm. My big problem with metal, and I think I've said this to you before. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> Is the lyrics, man? They're, they're just rubbish lyrics. Generally speaking, metal lyrics do not do anything for me. Well, uh, it's interesting because you're probably one of the most lyric obsessed people I know. I, I'll you, admit you, that you take a lot of pride in your own lyrics, and you enjoy other songs with um, that maybe aren't that great but have good lyrics. Point, <laughs> case in point, Noble Debauchery. I'm um, <laughs> fan. Um, I think. It's, well, I'm quite fussy even about your old band's lyrics. Though I mean, I like like. I'm selective in what I like. Mm. Yeah, but, but so, you know, the, the lyrics are important. Whereas uh, when you listen to metal, it won't, it, you, you can't always hear what the distortion is. It's the sound itself that you like. I mean, yes, some metal bands say crazy things, but uh, you sort of don't. Just I don't mind crazy. Sound. It's just all this. I don't like the just. I want to hear something real. Mm. Well, I don't like Metallica lyrics, incidentally, because they sort of. Um, just repeat themselves sometimes. It's like, oh god! Like, if if uh, you're drawing, if you if you if your music directs you to uh, the lyrics, and the lyrics let you down, then that's a problem. But I, I think Guns and Roses are metal, yeah. Well, yes, sort sort of. I've gotten more sort of rock, but you get yes, but fair enough. They were influential on metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. I like their lyrics. Some of their lyrics, mm. I like. I like. Do like some Metallica lyrics. Hmm. There's a crazy band is it the place Metallica that J- Jack got me into that plays bluegrass versions of Metallica songs I, I don't know them I know there's a cello band called Apocalyptica who plays something death or something I can't remember anyway don't know but I mean there's a there's a band that plays Metallica on cellos and just plays instrumentals and the thing about metal is some of the you know there's just really great instrumental stuff out there too which is just as powerful I mean, I think in metal, the, the, the vocals, more than probably in any other style, are just regarded as another instrument rather than necessarily, ah, you know, something's happening. Uh, I mean, if we had to go on the subject of bad lyrics, there are so many, many bad, bad songs out there with bad lyrics. But then uh, the right bad lyrics will still be good. There's a, I, I remember there's one, there's one track that Jack gave 
like gave me on a compilation CD of a, of a like of a metal band and the, the lyrics were so bad that they were good you know it was like for the trees for the land for the da, da. I can't even remember uh, the lyrics yeah, I mean, that uh, one da, 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 da. It's like it's, it's like ridiculously kind of fantasy, and I liked fantasy books, but I never really went with fantasy lyrics. You know, like well, metal's the only genre that I know of that they really explore that. So that there's there's entire guys who devote to bands who devote songs to talking about Tolkien books and stuff. Weren't you oh, the that's cool. coming back? Huh? This is a nice segue back into your autobiography because. Weren't you, like, in the Tolkien Society at uni? Yeah, I joined it, um, and that's sort of where I discovered my love of metal. Um, lots of guys along here. I sort of was drawn to this place, um, and uh, it sort of got me along the way, and I hadn't really read Tolkien until I was made the exalted position of king, which is the, the, like, the equivalent of present. And, and then Lord of the Rings came out, one, and sort of then I finished reading the rest of the What, the films? Books. Yes, that was good. Hang on. The, you hadn't read... Right. You Yes, I hadn't read Lord You of the were Rings in the before. Tolkien Society. And most of the people in the Tolkien Society hadn't read it. What? Because it was not necessarily Tolkien, but about his ideals and the hedonistic what, lifestyle. What the fuck is about his ideals? Look, I read the... Look, look I, I, I'm embarrassed to admit this on a podcast, but you've, you've drawn me into this. I have read the Lord of the Rings <coughs> 16 and a half times. When I was growing up, half times. Yeah, half. Like, what did you just look. stop reading? Well, I've read it sixteen like, oh, times. Colin's got them. Colin's got them, and he's going. Oh, that's a bad. Come on, I've read it sixteen out. times before. I didn't have to read it again, yeah. uh, the whole whole way through. I'd already paid my dues. But, but I, read, and I, read, I read the, the Hobbit maybe three times. Um, the Silver. Silver I read the Silver. Yeah, I, I read Unfinished Tales. tales. I'm very good. I've got that. I've, I've, I've read the Father Christmas Letters. I've read the, the Tales of Tom Bombadil's. The perilous realm. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm tree. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I understand. Farmer Giles of Ham. I can fucking go. But like, I was never in the Tolkien Society because I, I would never join the Tolkien Society because I just thought that. Well, it was, it was sort of. I mean, bear in mind, I just joined it. I was not responsible for the things behind it. But it was sort of div- designed as a sort of uh, alternative lifestyles and sort of quasi intellectual society, um, and Tolkien was just its name. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just there. There are lots. I was one of the few people who had studied commerce there, and the thing there were a lot of uh, sociologists and psych students. So, but none of you had read Tolkien. No, I just said I hadn't. But okay, you know, some of them had. I, you know, I was. Uh, I had accounting textbooks to read. You know, it's, it's riveting in its own. And you and and then, when you became made, when you were made king of the Tolkien oh, society. Oh, that was a momentous day. Right. They're much celebrating. I'm sure. Did you then read the books? I don't read because I... Uh, well, I don't read because I need to. I just sort of got around to it. Um, <laughs> there's so much more to... Uh, there was so much more to the Tolkien Society than, than, than Tolkien, to be honest. Um, in fact, basically 100% more than well, Tolkien. What are, what are these ideals? Well, I, I mean, it was, it's very good because he sort of just joined in. But, I mean, it was called the Tolkien Society. But there were a bunch of people smoking weed, listening to heavy metal and talking about politics. That was sort of the average day. And occasionally there might be a sort of topic which would venture into fantasy. And I think there were some role players 
Ball players like Speaking of which, there's that movie Role Models, which glamorises the world of live action role play. I've done it, one of the one of my podcasts is with someone who does live action role. I'd love to do that just once, you know. You should. I mean, yeah, get I, in I, touch. Mm. I can hook you up with her. She, so she get you do it. You, should, you can go. Yeah, you can get involved. Yeah, I've got enough costumes, don't I? You got yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you got any more time in your life to do another crazy pursuit, but I guess. Yeah. You could do it, you know, try it once. I think you could fit in fine with the live action. Yeah, we get we get them well. <laughs> no, I mean, like, Tolkien, though, I mean, I don't understand what these ideals are, because, like, what, look, what I think is good about The Lord of the Rings is not necessarily what Tolkien felt, mm. but what he... he what he accidentally included in this piece of work like he, he said he only wa- he wanted to make something that wasn't was was a fantasy and was separate from the real experience of war yeah. which he fought because he was in the first world yeah. war and he fought that and he didn't want to include that but I think that the Lord of the Rings is incredibly influenced yeah, by the first world yeah, war yeah there's, and then there's I mean if you think about it too he's just created an entire world and entire history and you know uh, I mean I, I, I remember I'm sure because you know there were starting to be a few more debates on, on this sort of uh, on, on this Tolkien character and the Tolkien society after a while I mean there's no doubt the events sort of shaped him a bit and uh, you know there's like the, the early funds in, uh, in Lord of the Rings so he was in South Africa and there's the, the Afrikaans word for elephant is early fund so you know there's interesting yeah. sort of well, all these bad guys were black. I mean, in that respect, yeah. it should fit in well with South Africa. The Dark Lords, yeah. Well, no, the, the, the Swar—they were all swarthy, or the Easterlings, they were called. Oh yeah, they? yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. is a kind of uh, racist undertone. He warned us about Muslim fundamentalism before anyone else. He's like, you're not <laughs> I guess he'd known. That's oh, one. That's dear. certainly one take that you could take, I guess, from it. Mm, yeah. But, but I mean, I think the thing is that, that the two towers. Yeah, Hello. I wrote a poem called that just exactly when nine eleven happened. So I I, mm. I I get it, but but the turn of the king suddenly he's talking about Elvis. And I like, think mm. there's a, well, but I mean the thing is the the Lord of the Rings, I think it says things about class and about everything that Tolkien wouldn't necessarily have subscribed to. It became mm. itself. It had its own yeah, internal. It just sort of, yeah, it's sort of he had no control yeah. over the messages that it had, mm. and I, and I think that actually it would be hard to sort of live by Tolkien's ideals because I don't really know what they are. I mean, the end of the Lord of the Rings is someone failing a tiny, insignificant person in the most terrible mm. place in the ever failing to do something, and it yeah. being done by someone accidentally. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's an incredibly complicated, uh, ambiguous kind of thing to say. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, to be honest, I think it was just a bunch of drunken students wanting to um, get get some sort of official title for their society. If I must be completely honest, um, but you know, <laughs> then I sort of arrived in New Heritage and you tried to make it better, and you start talking about Tolkien and all those. What did you do as king of the cult, Tolkien society? Oh, I, I ruled wisely and justly. <laughs> Um, oh no, it was terrible because I was in my final year of accounting, so that meant I didn't even go into university on a Friday because you're meant to just do tons of work at home. So I was in this involved, which is a bit uh, sad. You basically preside over functions, steer conversations into intellectual directions. I think there was a medieval feast with uh, much jousting and naughtiness. 
Um, and uh, you know, generally, it'd be a figure. Were there many society. women in the Tolkien Society? Uh, yes, yes, they were. Um, some were women of loose morals; others were women of tighter morals um, <laughs> and in more and higher intellectual gradings. Um, so yes, they were. Uh, you know, basically, it, it's it ended up that all the goths and metal heads ended up going to the Tolkien Society. So it's basically the, the, other the, ones the, the heavy metal and goth society that called itself the Tolkien Society. Yeah, you know. Which is fine. I mean, there's a, there is a big crossover between those different... In, in, indeed, I mean, as a I, I was never a goth or a metal head, but I was into Tolkien. Yeah. But I'm the exception, I think. Um, now, you, stu- you were studying... You were studying uh, econ- economy, yeah. You're well, I, my, accountancy. yeah, accountancy, which is basically two, uh, th- you know, four years of accountancy, a bit of tax, a bit of economics, and numbers. Break a man. Numbers is your thing. Well, uh, I'd say it is now, um, but yeah, I like I like words. I mean, I like that's why I do creative stuff and write music and lyrics and stuff. But yeah, it's n- numbers are what I ended up doing. Yeah. But you, there must be there is something about numbers that you like. Oh, it's. Um, I mean, you're good at it, surely. Yeah, that's probably what I like about it. It's the easy answer. Um, I, I don't know. There's uh, accountancy. Is a whole bunch of accounting standards, a whole bunch of rules, and it, it's it's almost a little bit like law in that there's policies with the way you do things. And when I studied accountancy, it's about knowing how they work and then how you can manipulate the numbers to get the answer. Uh, the thing with numbers is they produce an answer. If you write an essay, um, you'll get marks on the essay and you get a subjective, whereas here you actually have an answer. That's pretty cool. Um, and uh, I think that's one, of the things I, that's one of the things I liked about it. And and now I do a lot of work with with, with numbers and I, you know I enjoy manipulating, playing with them, uh, you know, zapping them to spreadsheets, getting answers. These are, what does this answer mean? You know, these numbers are critical things, and uh, you know they, they 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 mean a lot. If business doesn't have uh, enough money. Uh, if if it business breaches its overdraft in in three months' time, and you've got the information that 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 says that. You've got three months to try and make a difference and make sure it doesn't breach the third drop. Are you interested in maths for maths' sake? Are you interested in... Oh, the glory of maths. Probably at university I was. Um, I was interested in everything for everything's sake. Um, <laughs> no, I'm probably a bit more relaxed about it all. Uh, you know, it's... Yeah. It's numbers, rules, understanding how they work. It's nice to be able to do that in the world. Uh, well, I know. can't do it. So I mean, I'm impressed by people who can. It's a lot, a lot of studying, and it's a lot of application. I mean, when I did accounting, I wanted to do a job that would give me financial safety and security. I was always nerdy, so I thought, yeah, I think I might as well do this. This will, um, are we able to continue doing this? Be a chartered accountant, but, uh, financially secure, safe. Does understanding mm. accountancy mean that you're good with money? For your in your personal oh, life. Uh, no, um, the problem with being an accountant is that uh, it, one of the things of being an accountant is you need to be very organised. Um, now, despite the best efforts of many people, I'm still not quite as organised as I should be, and I do tend to lose things. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm still. I, I do. I'm very tight with my money. I like to keep a good check on it, and I love to save because I think you know one day I need to get a house and you know save for the kids. I don't know, whatever you need to do with them. Uh, so that, that's probably important stuff. 
but so yeah, I, I suppose it is. Though, I, if it, like when it comes to filling in tax returns, I'm hopeless and I start stretching out because I don't like paper much. And then there's writing and finding bulls and other pieces of paper, and it's just ridiculous. No, you don't like paper. You like spreadsheets. Yeah, you can't lose them. <laughs> you can. I've 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 I've, I've not somewhere they exist somewhere in a quantum. Level. Whereas uh, in in my room with all my comings and goings, it's very possible that a piece of paper could disappear forever. Um, and we don't want that. Well, no, not no, being a tax return. That's an important thing to be. Keeping, yeah, I was always late, and yeah, it's just yeah, horrid things. There, there was no inspiration, like a moment where you decided, yes, I want to be an accountant. No, not really. Um, I, I had, uh, as I say, the biggest, probably interesting career thing was when there was uh, the the year before I finished school. Uh, there was one of those things where you know you have those open days, and and, uh, and you can do work experience. And I did work experience as an environmental educator for five days and um, loved it and I carried on doing environmental education for a while and that uh, on the side as a sort of hobby and that was that was a lot more interesting than sort of the accounting at the time. Well why did you choose accounting rather than environmental education? Account, environmental education paid like shit and you know I, I, I like the fact that although you know I'm not a massively paid uh, accountant and certainly not in banking or anything I can, you know, I've got a, the financial freedom that if I want to travel overseas, I can. If I, if you know, I really want to get the new a new album, I can do that. I can do those sort of things, without without needing to stress. Whether whereas if I was an environmental educator, that wouldn't be happening. Not at all. And and so I like the fact my work is quite stressful and it challenges me. And sometimes I'm like, what the hell is this problem I have to solve? But I can do it. Um, you know, hopefully, and, and that, that's that's very rewarding. So you left South Africa when you finished uni, did you? Uh, no, I I finished university in two thousand and two. I then spent to be a chartered accountant. You spent three years working practical and auditing, which is sort of like checking a company's books and records to see they are what actually they say they are. They reflect things, um, and then I left afterwards. Um, well, that finished around early two thousand and six. I loafed around, uh, lay on park benches for a while, played bagpipes and flea markets and stuff, etc. for a couple of months and then left in uh, end of July 2006. You, you left the you left South yeah, Africa? Yeah, South Africa, yes. For the UK? Yes, lovely place. Why did you choose the UK? Uh, it's the only place you could go to on a visa. In fairness, I'm not really a big fan of America, so UK didn't make a lot of sense. There's a lot of things to do in sightsee and... Uh, it's very. It's a very good market for South African chartered accountants. Hang on, quite liked. So you can only go on a visa to the UK. Oh, uh, you can do others, but I mean, I wouldn't want to go to a place in Europe where I couldn't speak the, the language. language. Yeah. And uh, Canada's too cold, which is quite popular. Australia and New Zealand are too interpedian, and you know this is interesting. So, yeah, those are over. Do you you don't like Antipodean? Oh, I love them. I think they're great, but I wouldn't want to necessarily uh, live in a country that's, in some respects, very similar to mine. Well, you get you don't you get like mistaken for an Australian or a New Zealand person sometimes. I am mm. Nelson Mandela too. Yes, uh, I do get no mistaken. One, no one mistakes you for Nelson Mandela. It's just because I'm black, and sometimes people just see you for the colour of your skin. <laughs> um, but uh, no, in. Uh, in the UK, there's just so many things going on. Like, I mean, I've, I've, since I've come here, I've done all these crazy things, 
traveling, you know, playing in bands, uh, things that I never would have really done in South Africa. You know, imagine being able to go and see like a Salvador Dali painting. That just wouldn't happen in South Africa. Why not? Uh, we just don't have any of them. Um, you know, <laughs> if, uh, if, a, if a big band tours South Africa, I can assure you it's a massive, massive thing. Here, it just happens every year. And you're like, okay, I'll get the tickets to go and off you go. You go to a festival, um, you know, just things like things like that. It's, you know, it's safer. There's there's always stuff going on. I love that about this place. What's different about the UK to South Africa? I mean, what did you find? Did you find any cultural differences when you changed? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm sure. I yeah. I mean, there must be tons of cultural differences in terms of lifestyle. I just found it was you're you're not just in South Africa. There's a, it's a small pool, and there's only certain things you can do. All the scenes are quite. Sh- not shallow, but they're easy to get into and it's easy to sort of become well-known. Um, over in the UK, there's so many things to do and you've just got all these options. I mean, there's millions of places. But there's tons of stops in London you've never been to on the Tube Network. And and, and there's so much to explore well, and being do. Being in Apples for Everyone has meant I've gone to a lot more yeah, and and Tube it, stations than I ever expected to. It, it, is, it is amazing. Between sort of um, casual sex encounters, waking up in strange bedrooms and playing gigs, you do end up uh, seeing a lot more of London than you think. I'm sure that that's the case. I, I found that with gigs. I haven't had any uh, casual sex encounters because I've been in a relationship for ten years. But I mean, I think it's uh, I think it's probably a More bit a bit safer to uh, to play to play the gig sometime. But uh, you know, it's 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 very nice. I must say, you know, there's nothing quite like doing a a walk of what you call shame in the fresh air of a new day from some strange place, and you're trying to find your way to the bus stop. You really get to know the geography of the local area. Is that you know? sarcasm? Well, true. No, it's true. Do you, you genuinely enjoyed walking away from casual sexual encounters? Well, no, no. I was, so long as I could, go, so long as I could go back again, you know. I was, I was never fan for one night stands. It's just, it's just morally wrong, isn't it? I don't know. I've never had one. I think that if I wasn't in a relationship, I wouldn't be averse to the idea of a one night yeah, stand. Well, I always think if you go to a restaurant and you have a good dessert. You probably want to eat that dessert again, and and that's yeah. why I'm morally against one night stands. Unless unless the dessert takes tastes funny, and you sending it back to the kitchen, should probably uh, you know go go have some more dessert. But isn't that why you're walking away from places because the dessert tasted funny and you're not no no, no just because you've got to go the next morning to work or to uh, to do something else. Ah uh, yeah, quite okay, an well. entire weekend there. That's a bit overstaying your welcome. Well, I'm not very good at that. I, I, I phoned Jen up the bloody next day after I'd sort of... As I heard, you took to advantage her. of her in a perilous state very early but in you the know, I had just only woken up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. intense. I, I'm, I'm like, once, once, you, once you pick me, I, I don't go away. I'm like some kind of clinging, annoying mm. thing. You come from Durban, yeah? Yes. Lovely city. It's, it's, it's a city. Yes, coastal, um, a lovely temperate climate. It's never gone below freezing in all recorded history, which is about 40 years. And uh, it's got a large Indian population, so lots of curries. And um, yeah, that's very nice. And what do you think of London comparison? Well, I mean, it's, it's a different environment. So, I mean, I alluded in part one that people drive everywhere in South Africa. In London, you, you, you tube everywhere, so you've always got transport. You never need to worry about your bloody car that doesn't work, which is something that just personally was a great thing because my car always broke down. Um, and so you've got all these things happening. It's all this always stuff happening, isn't there? I love that. Um, 
you know, if I, the, the, you know, right now in London, there's a, there's a Joan Miro exhibition. There's some crazy chick called what's that? Emsland, Tracy Amin. Tracy Amin. Oh, yes, that badger. She's. It's interesting because uh, I was reading in the paper. There's this old uh, this old badger who uh, writes for the Evening Standard. Absolutely slating her. I was loving it. Um, but I mean, so you have shit art like that, then you have like Joan Miro, you can go to a club, I've got a jazz. little bit of time for Tracy Owen. Well, a you know, little. I'm not saying that. You're, you're a generous person, Damien. I mean, you know, it's, it's generous to a. Damien Hurst perhaps. can go fuck himself, but Tracy Owen, I've got a bit of time. Well, you know, it's. Uh, the, but the point is that they're out there and they're doing stuff, and whether yeah. you hate it or not, whether you like it's jazz happening. Yeah, or yeah. hip hop or indie or punk or metal there's something happening in London I don't have any there's never a night where I you know if I go home and I want to do something so long as I actually have some partners in crime I can go do something so you've got the energy for that shit I'm not I'm no not, no, not anymore I'm getting old um, the, the, the thing is there's so many different you know I, I've had to try and prioritise what I do and you know so I don't often go out and sometimes there's nothing better than just slothing it out you know yeah, well, I guess so. Yeah. I don't go out, but I don't stop about. I'm in this terrible situation where I just, uh, if I'm not working, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing creative. Yeah, I'm well, pod- no, I don't mind. Since since starting doing podcasting, it's great. I've I've had much more social events because mm. <laughs> I'm like every every few days I'm hanging out with someone. Yeah, drink, drink, luckily drinking some left and uh, yeah. Sorry, it's sorry, it's gone. No, 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 no. I was, I was raising my glass to you. It just happened to be empty. Cheers, yes. What's the difference between South Africa and the UK? Do you remember? A couple of thousand miles. I mean, I have to ask you this question, or I'm being racist. I've asked every American and Swedish person mm-hmm. I've had on this show. Um, I think one's the the attitude. Uh, I mean, there's there's a whole crazy deep rooted psyche and. In, in in Africa, which sort of pervades, and particularly we've just had another municipal election, so there's a lot of there's a lot of issues there, and uh, I think you know going out of there is the UK is a lot more open minded, and I like that. There's a lot more, there are a lot more things happening. You but uh, but you've only ever lived in London. Yeah, and I was about to say I can't compare South Africa to Birmingham, so yeah. I can, and, and you know, there's, there's all these crazy, you know, these different. In South Africa, there's different cultures which are very big and established that are sort of merging, but they're still very big and established. Whereas I don't necessarily know whether in England, I don't think any, you know, the Bangladeshi community exists, um, but I don't necessarily know whether other people really care about them or notice about them too much, other than maybe buying a curry. Whereas in South Africa, that's real and in your face. And every culture, sort of, even the Afrikaans culture, is real and in your face. And you, and you see it and you can experience it and all that sort of thing. Uh, as I say, I don't really know. I, I'd like to say the UK's more first world, but I'd be sniggering sometimes. Um, and your media system is just absolutely out of control. You know, these, this celebrity obsession you guys have really needs to stop. But, um, yeah, it's just... I don't know. <laughs> I, I never. I still don't know half of who your the celebrities are, and they're not even celebrities. So it needs to stop because you can't keep up with it. School it's just, yourself. It's just silly. It's just silly. It needs to stop. I don't and give I, a shit. About I it. like. I like. To, I, I, to be fair, course, a lot of people in the UK don't give a shit about. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's to be a man of value is is more important, I think, than to be, you know, some the the next guy who j- dates children, particularly if that's not me. 
I always thought it'd be great to date like someone like Jordan, yeah, I remember Amy Winehouse, and then work my way up the social. You know, start low and then just go all the way up. Get the band famous and yeah. Yeah, you were, really... you were always up for... Yeah, every time we played Camden, you were like, maybe hey, maybe Amy Winehouse is going to be yeah, there. Yeah, it's like, hello, I Amy. Be, can, you know. Yeah, that would be a bit weird. Do you remember we once had a stripper in our gig? It's a lovely story because... I don't I think she, she wasn't a stripper. Well, she wasn't she a stripper. Yeah, she it stripped. wasn't her profession. She just seemed to be uh, a vocation. She seemed to be a recreational stripper. Yeah. And she stripped. And many people were upset, but I was sort of acting Look, like a... I was upset because she was distracting from my fucking singing. Yeah. It wasn't like... Look, right, okay. So, you seen the Doors film, yeah, with Val Kilmer. Now, I don't know... I don't know what it was like for Jim Morrison at the time. Mm. But for Val Kilmer in the Doors film, when the women got naked, they got naked because they were listening to the Doors. Mm. And because... Jim Morrison was so sexy and they wanted to dance up on stage with him wearing no clothes. He was wearing no clothes. It was part of the vibe. Mm. I was fucking singing at the front of the stage and she just got naked of her own accord. Now to do with me, right? She's just there getting naked, distracting every fucker there from me singing. That is why I didn't approve of that. Now, some other people had some other issues that were related to feminism or whatever. Now, my issues were nothing to do with feminism, although I, I do have sympathies in that direction. But in this case, it was much more to do with my ego than anything else. Well, I, I, was, um, I managed to use my ego in a more powerful and positive way. Well, you just and that, and that I assumed that she was dancing because of me. If you had no proof that she wasn't, the fact is there was a band playing and a girl takes the clothes off. It doesn't take much to draw the line and say the causal nexus was due to my electric bagpipe bicycle pump. I mean, yeah, that, that must have thrown her into fits of female... You know. Yeah, but she was... That, that, that woman was quite... Off her tits, I believe. Is and had been kind, was kind of... The people at her table were encouraging rather than helping her. And I think that was the thing that people took... Not took mm. offence, but were concerned about. If you've got a friend and they're getting naked in a pub... You probably should take care of them. And she didn't yes. have a friend. She was just hanging out with those people at yes. the table. And she wasn't as attractive as I thought at the time either. Well, that, <laughs> that's that, a real concern. You've got to, you've got to be, you know, that's that, that's concerning. You'd like to have good quality groupies. Um, at my at my current band, we do have some groupies who like who like the band. But uh, I mean, I think it's uh, we we do our sexual we we express our sexuality through you know feather boas and that sort of things. And, Works a, works a lot better, and I think I am you know one hundred and fifty percent sure that if someone stripped at my next gig, that because be because of me and the rest of the band. Unfortunately, it's probably worth mentioning that at the stage, no one else has stripped to me and the rest of the band. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, fair whereas enough. George had animal magnetism, you can't replicate that. But I came round your house when you were drunk. Mm. Now I'm drunk, and I'm slightly more sober. You're more sober than you were, probably. I imagine. Mm. Okay. Strange lethargy. I don't really want to move now. Well, I imagine you've been playing cricket all day. I played a twenty twenty game this morning, and then uh, then I drank, um, and th- then I had an unfortunate incident with a frisbee and a young child, and uh, uh, and then uh, I basically came over here. You hit a child in the face by accident with a frisbee. Yes. Once I accidentally. Well, how old was this child? I don't know, young. 
I, I'm not at the sort of stage where I'm concerned with the raising offspring, but uh, she appeared to be between the ages of um, five and twelve. No, it's hard. I mean, uh, once I was playing frisbee, frisbee's a dangerous thing for adults to get into with kids. Once I was playing frisbee, I think it was frisbee or maybe it was As catch or something. Yeah, but I was playing frisbee or catch with um, a friend of a friend's child who was about eleven, mm. and. Uh, she had the ball, I think, and I I grabbed her by her legs and pulled her on the floor to get the ball oh, off her. Were you drinking at the time? Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. It's it's not really the ball sports, but I find drinking around kids seems the thing is, personal experience. It was fun. Dangerous. It was funny, but but yeah, she wasn't very happy. And if it was an adult, then they would have just found it funny. But it was a child. Yeah, yeah. No, they are they are. There's definite rules. Um, Distinguishing between children and adults in society. Uh, I, I, children don't come into my radar at this stage. Um, I was thinking yesterday. I don't know. I don't know how it was asked, but I don't actually know if I have any child friends. I, well, I work with children. Yeah, yeah. So you, you and I've got children in my family, and I, I think I would count some of them as friends now. Well, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if I do. Is that my sad? two, is both, that sad? both my nieces, maybe my nephew. Yeah, my friends. Does that make me? Does that make me sad? I don't think so. I don't think an adult needs to have friends who are children necessarily. No, one would certainly hope not. Do you mean you've got no friends with children? No, I've got no children who are friends. I don't know any friends who who are children. But you must have friends who've got children now. Um, Yeah, I don't tend to see them very much. I tend to associate... Those people tend to... Um, be concerned with the the fate of the offspring, whereas I'm, you know, I tend to hang with people who are more concerned with their own fate, and, and particularly, you know, be it in bands or, or stuff like that, those people are often needing to be very concerned about their fate, so it's quite fun to see them as they go along. Do you want kids? Um, yeah, I'm sure, you know, one day, it's, uh, I'd prefer to have them in Switzerland, where everything's per- perfect, um, and by implication, my offspring will then be perfect. Everything's why is everything perfect in Switzerland? Have you been there? It's like well, if you die and you lead a good life, you go to Switzerland, and there's they've just yeah there is some more Leffe in there, and yeah, they probably find there's some Leffe in Switzerland too. <laughs> but um, it's very um, oh, it's a lovely place. Just they do this whole mountain and lake thing, and they just replicate it all over Switzerland. And it's just stunning and beautiful. And everyone's nice, slightly boring but nice. And you know, can't help but think, you know, that's that that's nice. So if uh, if I die and I lead a good life, I'd like to go to Switzerland. So it'd be a good place yeah. to bring up a kid. So if you die, you'd like to end up into it, like heaven's Switzerland. Yes, yes, yes. I think I think it must be some sort of clone of Switzerland. <laughs> Except there's oh, you don't have to pay for everything, which is Switzerland's big bugbear because it's quite expensive. But you know, I think you know, there's probably you know, you will climb to the top of the mountain and breathe in the fresh air, and, you know. Doesn't God like character will go hello Vaughan and I'll go hello and you know there'll be some choirs and shit like that you know. Have you been to Switzerland? Uh, yes, but I haven't died yet. But you've been to my because I was gonna that, that was gonna be my last question. I guess that can it, it there's oh, been a few seamless hours. integration. But uh, this was unscripted. What's the best like place you've travelled to? So you've travelled to a lot of places. Yeah. And we haven't got to it, so we can't get yeah, to the whole... Yeah, can't do Croydon, can I? No. We can't do the whole of Cro- your travels. So what's your best mm. place that you've travelled to? I liked Egypt. And that's just just amazing, because, you know, you just see these amazing buildings just dwarf you in size. It's quite simple and easy. If you go to, like, Abu Simbel and you see this massive statue and you're just so tiny and there's just all this awesome majesty and power of rock, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, 
honorable mentions must go to Japan because I love the lifestyle there. I like um, Japan. I like Japan. I only went there when I was 15, but I like it. It's uh, the whole idea that the, the, the culture is just so completely different. They are so super advanced uh, in terms of, you know, their, their thoughts and everything. But they just, oh my goodness, they're just miles ahead in terms of technology. But they're just mentalists to read cartoons. And like, they're women dressed in maid's clothing. It's a, it's a strange <laughs> alternative. It's like t- going into an alternative universe of your own. Um, and I think that's, that's pretty cool. I watch sumo wrestling, which is nice. Um, and I like all of Europe. I mean, Europe's different, and the and I like you know the you know Spain's different to Germany, but and which is different to Italy. But the, you know, there's lots of common things, and I think the one thing from going through all my places, um, and I do a lot of adventures with my bag plant for folk dancers and meet other folk dancers. Is that people are people, and I was in when I was in Germany. And I was put up by a lovely couple who were just so happy that they, we were sharing their art with them and they were sharing their art with us and they, they, they took us to, you know, the beer museum and, and you know, made lovely cakes and, and we could barely speak, but we had things in common. We all enjoy you know, we all took, could take in the scenery and go, that's, you know, that's really beautiful. And I think, you know, that's one of the most affirming things to know that whether you go to Europe or even going to Japan where some scooter driver just stopped the scooter because we were locked, lost and he tried to help us. It's very nice to know that, you know, in the end, speak the language, whatever. Maybe you do like uh, your woman dressed as uh, young schoolgirls. Um, you know, may- maybe you do, you know, maybe you like to wear Lederhausen and, and uh, you know, ring cowbells. But we're still all people in our different ways and forms. And I think that's, um, that's pretty damn groovy. <laughs> well, that's a very, uh, that's a very positive note. That's a very positive note to end the uh, end, end the, the getting better acquainted experience. It's been uh, I'm certainly much drunker than I was at the beginning. And the last and question, I'm more sober. <laughs> <laughs> the last question I kind of ask people is: Do you have anything to plug? Um, well, you know, I think I play in Monkish, so if you go to www.myspace.com forward slash Monkish the band, which is Monkish and not Monkfish. M-O-N-K-I-S-H. Yeah, and you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on YouTube. You know, you can find, I'll plug me on YouTube, on Facebook. You can, you know, come say hello, poke me on, poke me on Facebook. It always makes me feel good if someone That's pokes Vaughan me. Granding. I mean, if you know Dave, you'll see a friend of Dave, you know, it's easy, Vaughan. easy enough. Vaughan. Yeah, it is. Vaughan Granding. You can, I didn't even know that. Vaughan Granding. Um, I don't even know how to pronounce your second name. Yeah, Vaughn. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I suppose uh, I, I, I'm not going to plug my firm. I'll plug. Well, I had Noble Debauchery, which I can't plug. There's a Scottish band called Fire Exit, is which I think Noble is really de, good. Do Noble Debauchery still exist? Or uh, not, no, we need uh, new musicians. But they can hear. Can they hear your music on it? They can. They can go to www.myspace.com forward slash Noble Debauchery. And you'll oh, find there. There you'll find I am the Excel master that's been mentioned. And a song about uh, pornography using uh, humans and genetically modified uh, dinosaurs that we brought back from Embro. It's called Jurassic Park. He Sucks. mostly writes about pirates and uh, and dinosaurs, mm. but with a kind of yeah. sexual connotation to it. The, the quality is pretty shit, but uh, it's you know it's an experience. Um, other things to plug because I have so much. Uh, my part band in South Africa. Uh, who recently, the last night they played in an oceanarium. 
So there's pictures of them with dolphins. That's a great place to play. What's their name? www.one, as in the letter one, medpipeband.co.za. I'm still on it because they've got a, lo- a lazy webmaster. But, you know, nice to know. Uh, there's a pipe band I play in London. Better not worry too much about them. Um, and a uh, the folk you, dance. Hang on, one, one minute before you do the folk dance. When you say the letter one, do you mean the number one? Yes, one is a letter. <laughs> okay. Yes, not as in the envelope, dear listeners, as in the number one. Right. Um, not Roman numerals either. The folk. Folk dance group or the McLennan Scottish group, which I suppose you just need to type in, and you can find them on YouTube. Uh, there's a lovely 69-year-old accordionist who tends to put up lots of YouTube videos of folk dancing. And um, it's, it's more interesting than, uh, you know, looking at some emo girl talk about things. Uh, and, and I suppose <laughs> www.thepride.co.uk is my pipe band. But there's not much interesting that goes on there, um, other than, you know, playing bagpipe competitions. And they vaguely tried to throw you out recently? Yes, yes, yes. But uh, I'm back with sort of the, let's say it's like the mafia, we just all sort of cling to each other. Uh, those things in Avatar, you know when you get the bird and the blue guy puts his um, proboscis into the bird and they then link forever and they fly around. I've not actually seen Avatar. Uh, I'm like the only person in the world, baby. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of blue. Yeah. And I'm not, uh, it looked quite blue not to plugging me. Avatar. <laughs> um, because it, it was nice, but there are best things to play. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I was, you know, just uh, just find my stuff, or just come say hello, because quite frankly, you know, we can all do with making more friends. Um, and yeah, and that's that's about it, really. Thank, thanks for your time, Dave. So, no, it's, it's I, been an experience. It's been a fucking pleasure, and that's, a that's fact. I think that's all the left, eh? but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and do you want to say goodbye to the audience? Goodbye, audience. Goodbye. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook. It's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.